You want to make mom smile this Mother's Day? You can start Mother's Day with flowers or surprise her with gifts from the brands she loves, delivered the very same day with DoorDash. Wow, that's a great idea. Moms are such a gift to us, and we should treat them the same way, with gifts, especially on Mother's Day. I didn't know DoorDash was doing that. That's exceptional. If your mom has a sweet tooth, or if she's a tech enthusiast, beauty connoisseur, if she's outdoorsy, no matter what she's into, you can make her smile with a fruit or flower bouquet, makeup, tech gear, workout wear, and more, all deliverable through DoorDash. Get all your Mother's Day gifts all in one place and get 50% off your next order up to $15 when you spend $15 or more on your next flower, convenience, grocery, or retail order now with code THEO. That's T-H-E-O. Order using DoorDash today. Terms apply. Want to let you guys know that I will be performing March 7th at the Castle Theater in Maui, Hawaii, or Kahului. Kahului. Um, those tickets will go on sale Tuesday, February 11th at 10 a.m. Uh, Hawaiian time. So aloha, mahalo, gangalo. Um, I'm really excited about that. I need a vacation. Today's guest is really the Patrick Mahomes of creativity. Uh, he's a professor at the University of Connecticut. Um, he's written countless books, including Creativity 101. It is Professor James Kaufman. Of course, I've also learned when somebody has like a sharp object in you, be nice. Yeah. <laughs> God, I remember I was getting like some back stuff done and guy's like a needle this big and he starts deciding to talk politics. I'm just like, I'm nodding and smiling at everything he says. I don't care what he said, you know? Like, I agree The needle's all the way in my, with. yeah. Right now, whatever, you could be saying anything you want and as long as you have like a blade this big, I'm on your side. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dr. James Kaufman, who wrote the, uh, who really is one of the, I mean, you're kind of like a little bit of the Sacagawea of creativity, kind of the white male Sacagawea in a way. I've never been called that. I, I, I You're like Lewis <laughs> and Clark. <laughs> Some might say Forrest Gump. Okay, but, I'll do that. But I, I, I've, Gump I've been very lucky. I, I've gotten to ask a whole lot of interesting questions and... It's a field that's just starting to kind of take off, and it sounds kind of silly, the idea of studying creativity. Yeah. But some of this stuff's really intuitive, and some of it, not necessarily what you think. When you say it's a field that's just starting to take off, like, because recently I was, I was actually talking to my niece, and I said, imagination, right? Mm -hmm. And she goes, what is it? Is it, a, is it on your phone? And she thought it was an app. And, I, and it shook me to my core. I was yeah. like, oh, man. It made me think like, oh, creativity is is dying. You know, that it's not that it's not like a, a new, that there's nothing really new there. It's not like a, you know, like a seeded forest as much as maybe I, I used to think it was. Or is it that we're just being creative in different ways? Because on one hand, yeah, probably if you gave your niece, like, did you ever play like the, with those old, like, refrigerator boxes or, like, just... 
Oh yeah, just a huge make a battleship yeah, or something, make a, a Noah's Ark, and, Amistad or something. Like on one hand, yeah, probably if you gave her, hey, here's this huge cardboard box, do what you want. So what? Why are you giving this to me? But she might also be able to, I mean, make a video, do any of this stuff using the phone. Right. I mean, to me, it's all that do you use to consume or create. And there's nothing wrong with consuming. I mean, I love watching stuff and listening to stuff. But if you're also using it to create, I feel like the forest isn't quite dead yet. Mm. Yeah, I worry sometimes that, I mean, especially with the phone, I mean, even with, you know, mine as an example of just the alarm going off that like, there's so many interruptions these days, specifically with my phone, to how much it interrupts my thought processes. You know, and even my sleep, it interrupts every process, it seems like. There's a, there's a call, there's an email, there's a... I mean, it definitely seems like these days there's a lot more interruptions, whereas creativity needs more of like a bed to kind of like... You know, creativity, it seems like you need some time. You got to get tangled up in the sheets, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's what we sometimes call flow that moment when you are creating and you're engaged and it's like you forget where you are and that's when like five hours pass and you're like, I haven't eaten for the entire day. And of course, if the phone buzzes, that takes you out of it. It's why when I'm trying to actively write and do something where I'm actually using like full brain, turn off phone, sometimes even disable Wi-Fi. Um, and I can't get away with it for too long. I mean. Right. We live in a world where we get 400 emails a minute, and I got two kids. And Oh, yeah. We have a question, actually, that came in right uh, here. We'll yeah. put this question in. Hi, Theo. Hi, James. My name is Max, and uh, I was wondering if Dr. Kaufman could maybe go into a little bit of detail about what a flow state is and maybe ways to achieve them, because I've heard a lot about them, but sometimes I just have a bit of trouble achieving that flow state so if you could expand that would be great thank you a lot of flow state junkies oh, out there you know people yeah. want that flow state I, it's an intoxicating feeling people who i mean you can get it other ways than just creating I mean, a lot of people who are into like mountain climbing or running the runner is high it's, it's not horribly different mm -hmm. the best way to enter flow is to do something creative that's a little bit challenging if it's too hard you're just going to go screw it i i can't do this and if it's something that's routine or too easy it's going to be simple like if you're playing the piano mm -hmm. and you kind of play you know and if you're just if you're doing chopsticks you're not you're not invested it. but then if i say okay theo here's this like rock symphony or something play it you're not going to know what to do. You're not going to enter flow. I mean, you might be able to get a melody, but it's not going to connect with you. It's always that slight challenge. And as you get better and you kind of keep matching it, you got to up the challenge. It's, it has to be something that you care about, that you have passion about. I mean, it's one of the first things that I tell my students is what are you interested in? Like forgetting about the word creativity. The word creativity freaks people out. I mean, I, I teach a class several classes on creativity mm -hmm. and one of the things i do is i have them do this big creative project and that's it in terms of the rules and you got some students they're just thrilled they're running with it and like by the third day they're oh man i could do this and this and there are other students who are terrified like if the assignment was cut off your little finger they would have gone that option wow 
because that's more definite that's more obvious yeah but be creative it can mean anything and people sometimes think well i'm not creative and then they just shut it off and yet you start talking and okay well what what are you interested in what do you like doing and then you work on that you play from that okay and you just keep going in that passion in that what are you interested in it doesn't mean you're going to be necessarily good at it but creativity isn't just about the outcome it isn't just about reaching a certain level of of creativity i mean that's always great but But it's not always about creating something certainly when you first start off it can just be in your head can be an idea as long as it has some type of meaning to you. Yeah. Like if it's just a random thought, yeah, okay, no. But let's say, I mean, okay. Actually, if, if I could ask you, like, how do you get, um, like, like for your last comedy special, like how, how are you writing it? How, what was your process? Um, yeah, the process is, you know, I take things from life that I thought were funny or things mm-hmm. that made me laugh and then you know i started to expound on them on stage then i would write them down into word documents and sometimes go back and read through the document when i was feeling pretty good and like add in some stuff that i thought was funny or add in things i wanted to try and then i would go back on stage do it again and just kind of keep kind of swimming in that circle until i felt like it was just kind of done at a certain point my brain I choose not to work on things anymore because it's just like, to me, they're done. There's nothing else. There could be a lot more to do if I were somebody else. But for me, it's like, this is as far as this bit or this area or this story or world is going to go. So I think that was kind of the process. Um, I think, is that a process? Yeah, yeah. And, And one way of thinking about it is that all the initial stuff, the things that you're remembering happening that were funny, even this stuff before you're remembering it when it's happening, where maybe it's something funny you said or you saw, or you're thinking, well, if that had happened, it would have been funny, and then you're remembering it three days later. Some of that stuff is going to stay in your mind, and you're going to develop it, and you'll try it out. Other stuff will be there, and you'll think about it, and you'll consider it, and there's eh, not funny enough, not enough I can do with that. Yeah, it's not enough for me. Sometimes it's like it's not creative enough for me, I feel like. Like somebody else, oh, it might be good for them, but this doesn't fit maybe exactly my tastes, you know, for what I find to be funny. Like when you were first starting out, you probably, I mean, if you were like me or anybody, like your hit ratio wasn't as good. Yeah. You know, so you just, okay, well, I, I bet that could be funny. And maybe you're trying it out and you learn, okay, this works, this doesn't, or this could really work. That process, like from like what's up here in your head to what you're actually saying when you share it with another person, that that's kind of like this personal creativity idea, and that's something that I mean, everybody else can theoretically think it sucks. It's hopefully you get better and you can connect with other people because that's so much of what creativity is about. Where when you're on stage, and there's an audience, and, and it's almost this interactive and you're reading it then it gets to be what we might call everyday creativity but at your point much higher expert level creativity professional refined for sure i think refined i like that 
because you've done it so many times and you kind of are familiar with a little bit of the dance you know yeah once you get out there with the audience you know yeah it's funny you can almost it's almost like playing an instrument after a while you know it's like okay these are the notes that i know and this is the reaction and it's going to become sort of this circle and it frees you up to try more things because like you know okay this is the stuff that I'll, I'll set the table with you know while i'm working on it mm. and that some of you can almost go on autopilot while your brain's still going ahead able to work in something work in an audience reaction um yeah it's interesting yeah it's like you're almost like on all like in tesla whenever you can just be cruising you know and sometimes you can just touch the wheel every now and then you know like you can yeah it's like you're driving but every now and then you you can it's almost like you can go off course without even but you're staying on course a little bit you know at the same time once you get the kind of the cruise control of the of the of your set you know is it hard to be creative like because i'm thinking like sometimes on stage i find easier opportunities to be creative i don't know if it's because of the fee how my day is going how i'm feeling my comfort level fear even Mm -hmm. is it harder to be creative from a place of fear it's a good question so if you look at okay what type of emotion does your creativity come from a lot depends on the type of creativity so let's say that you're feeling good. You're more likely to get the initial boost. So the first minute or two, you're going to come up with more ideas. But you're going to be okay with it a little earlier. So it, it, whether it's on stage in the moment or whether you're still kind of brainstorming, if you're feeling happy or you're ex- or just excited or just you're in a good mood, it'll be good at first. But then it will be like, okay, that was good. If you're upset, whether it's sadness, could be anger, fear, it'll take you longer to kick in. Mm. But you won't get satisfied as easily and you're gonna keep plugging away. And so much is gonna depend on what your goal is. Like if you're aiming to get a routine that is just as good as it can get and you're still exploring it and it's worth, okay, I'm gonna, take eight minutes doing this a bit and some of it's going to be a little bit slow and maybe there'll be a moment when I'm worried about losing the audience but I'm going to get something that I can really work with and it'll be better and connect better then fear or anger or just kind of just being bummed that's okay if you're okay I got a five minute set I just got to go out boom done happier is probably better Mm. Right, I see. So if it's long-term, uh, a fear and anger can almost drive you harder to get, to stay resilient, to find a place, to find more op- uh, opportunity for creativity? Although longer term, it's a question mark. In that one of the things that creativity is so good at is it helps us cope with these type of negative emotions. Hmm. Yeah, I noticed that. Sometimes I'll be in a bad mood and my brain will think up something that's kind of funny for me. Yes. And then I will feel better. You know, it's almost like it's like a gift or something that my brain gave me like to help out, you know, it really is. And people like we had this image or stereotype of oh, creative people are, are crazy or, you know, this image of the, the mad genius or whatever. I mean, and whether or not that's true and then that's something that like scientists enjoy arguing about. We can use our creativity to if we are feeling depressed, anxious. Creativity can distract us 
which can be amazing. Creativity can help us kind of organize our thoughts. There's this idea called cognitive load, which is kind of a weird term, mm -hmm. but it's just how much crap is upstairs in your head. Oh, God. And you know, you always have those kind of like this monologue and this recurring thought and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's like having browsers open on a computer kind of. If you got too much open, I mean, just like a computer, your brain's gonna be like, okay, I'm still working on this, I'm still working on this, I'm still worried about this. What creativity can do is that it can connect a lot of this stuff into a narrative, into a story. It's why people who journal or, or blog, they're actually better off physically and mentally. Because mm, they get a lot of it out? Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean you want to be like exposing your heart and these are my worst fears because like shakespearean type of like that vibe yeah because then you also run the risk of you're almost like ruminating and overthinking and then you end up kind of getting sucked into this it's kind of like af after a, a breakup a really bad breakup you know you want to allow yourself time to just be able to just curse and oh yeah get rid of it but if it's six months later and you're still this was her cell phone number and all that and you, yeah standing that, on her porch petting a cat that's what i did once <laughs> six Taste months it. later Shoot, I don't even know how long later. Meta, I don't even want to think about it. I shouldn't have said, I shouldn't have brought it up. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. At that point, you're not. Yeah, you're just ruminating on it. It's going to be hard for anything yeah. new to. Is it hard for new like? Is there a best time for to create like, for new things to come out of us? You know, is there a best time? I mean, say if we're using the definition of that, creativity is something like a new, a new mm -hmm. thought idea, like our our most whimsical sort of way of, well, I don't know. What's the best definition, do you think? I mean, there's a lot of definitions, it seems like. The two things that we agree on pretty well, one is exactly that. It has to be something new. The other one is it has to be task appropriate. That doesn't mean socially appropriate. That, that, you know, that does not mean inoffensive or anything. But it's that if you want to make a creative meal, Mm-hmm then great, you can switch out ingredients, whatever, but it has to be something that you could eat. If you decide, I'm gonna make lasagna, but what would happen if I used shattered glass instead of cheese? That's new, that's really new. Not creative. Yeah, it's not fair to somebody. Yeah, and like, you wouldn't even say, oh, that's a lasagna, that's just. Yeah, that's glass, bucko. That's, yeah. Yeah, nice try. I mean, I, if it were art that we're doing, but if we have to eat, then you can't, that's not very creative. Which neat about comedy is that, what's the task? I mean, it's make somebody laugh. Right. Make somebody laugh, make somebody think, make somebody yeah. feel. I think it's expanding a little more these days into also like make somebody feel almost sometimes. I think yeah. some of our comedians have become a, also, I feel like you'll get more people like, you'll, you also get applause breaks for people being able to to make people make people feel i think it's always been think and laugh but i some i think there's a little bit of feeling in there these days as well um yeah i find when i look back on my own life because the only perception perception i have fully is my own and so when i look back i i find i use creativity a lot of times as i like a defense mechanism but like mm -hmm. as a way like we didn't have a lot growing up, so I was like, oh, well, I need to always be able to think or do something or say something that someone else isn't going to do. 
it was like almost like a currency in a yeah. way. It was like if I can have creativity, that can be a currency. Because, it, like, the, well, does that make any sense? Oh, completely. If you look at so much of this stuff that we value as an education system, as if we're hiring people, you know, we look at test scores and grades and all this stuff. Socioeconomic status plays a role in that. Because if you don't have access to books or a computer, I mean, it's harder. It's not true of creativity. Anybody can be creative. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Does it help if you're poor, though? I feel like if you have everything, then you don't need to make anything up. It's one of those questions, if you're asking me as like the scientist, then I'd have to go, well, we haven't studied that enough. If you're asking me as a human being, yeah. Yeah. I think it helps. I think that so much of creativity comes out of necessity. I mean, if you always are cooked dinner and you never have to cook, you're not going to figure out creative ways to cook or creative ways to, okay, I got to make $8 last for the next two days for dinner. Or to use ingredients too. I remember making my mom stuff sometimes. We didn't have something. I would use something else. You know, we don't have flour. I'll use this. I'll use Epsom salts. You know, it's like change it up. Just as a kid, you're thinking, oh, whatever looks the same. So then, yeah, you might get a butt whooping, you know, you might get beaten down, but, uh, but at least you start to create this world in your head where you're like, oh, this could be this, you know, a butterfly could be like a, you know, a color hawk or something. Here's some guy right here. He's got an issue. Yeah. What's up, Dr. James? It's your cousin Nate from New Orleans, out here bouncing bums and smoking cigarettes in North Hollywood. My question is for both of y'all. Y'all think there's a correlation between creativity and comfort? Like, the more uncomfortable you are, the more creative you gotta be to find that comfort? I know Theo and Mark Norman talked about it a little last week on the podcast, and I'd like to get y'all opinion on that. Thanks, bruh. Who that? And gang, gang. Gang, Nate, dang. That guy's oh, out like there. That. I hope he's okay. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so yeah, is there is there a correlation between creativity and comfort? Certainly, if we look at okay, how people think creatively, mm-hmm. there's a couple of different aspects of it. One of the real big ones is idea generation, getting your ideas. Mm-hmm. I think if you're too comfortable, you're not going to be getting a lot of ideas. It's the same way that, like, if you look at okay, well. What, how can you be more creative? If you are paralyzed by anxiety, that's not good. But a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of that just slight discomfort, I mean, it makes you think of more ideas, makes you think of more solutions. You can't find something to solve if, you have, if everything in your life is perfect. You know? Yeah. And I think that there are other parts. So like if you're trying to, if you're doing revision, if you're testing out material, not in front of a live audience, but like for a friendly audience, then mm-hmm. there are times when, okay, I want, you know, you may want to just be comfortable and I want to sound the best, or if you're filming something. But for the raw generation, for the brainstorm, you, you kind of want that little bit of grittiness, that, yeah. that, that discomfort, that. Yeah, it almost seems like the like creativity would come from a place like that. Like if I had to, you know, if I was in a cave or something, like create. Like creativity would be kept on like kind of a magic place, it seems like. I mean, we need a reason to do stuff. And it's a perfectly good reason to entertain, but it's also to solve a problem, to figure it out, to you want something you can't get. It's, it's going back to the, uh, to the 
stuff we were talking about. Well, if you know, if you're growing up poor and without resources, you got to be creative. Yeah, you got to be creative. I was thinking yesterday, like I was thinking, I was talking to a friend and thinking about like living in a city. It like it limits, like even like the tall buildings and everything, and um, and you know, and being in more of traffic, and it limits, like even just what my view is constantly. Like I can't even see that far, and I can't even, you know, I. Like the things I do see, it's a lot more cars and buildings than growing up in a more of a rural area where you could see like an open field where it's like, oh, I could put something in that field. Like your brain has time to like, you know, there just seems like there's more of a canvas for your play for your brain to play with growing up in areas where there's more space sometimes, physical space. Um, but then I guess that's not necessarily true because you could be a great artist that comes out of New York City. And it's one of those, there's always good things and bad things right. like in la you're surrounded by a network of people like if you want to make it an entertainment you're gonna be in la maybe new york is a couple of places and you all these resources yeah all the idea of we co-create so often and you need to yes we have technology and you can skype and zoom but just being in the room and talking and if you're in montana it's harder to be in the room Yet you're also right in that nature can inspire, beauty inspires us, and just having more of a canvas, having more of something to fill up. And if you can get that type of network, even not at a professional level, but if you are wherever you are and you have the people you can, whether it's right with or try business with or joke around with as long as you have that connection with people it should be okay do you feel as like we move away i was thinking like do you feel like as we move away from even like for children like if we move away from like writing with our hands and into you know pressing buttons on the computer to write do you feel like that like we might be going through like a real I wonder what the effect that has on our creative psyche or the creative like template that we've grown up with, you know, like to write or to use our hands to, to create more, use more clay. Whereas now we use more, um, you might be able to do something 3D design or digital design. I definitely think we're losing something. I think we're gaining stuff because I think technology can do amazing stuff. But I also think there's something about being creative with your hands you know, whether it's I mean, Legos, you know, or yeah. clay, or just making a styrofoam cup, for God's sakes, just anything that you can do stuff with, you know, paper clips, um, that has less of an intuitive appeal. I mean, now there's an app that you can undoubtedly link paper clips together, and it, it doesn't make it bad, it's just different. Yeah, it's just different. I wonder what that effect is on us. Like, is, does it affect the fact that if I'm not using my, like, my motor skills attached, does it start to weaken, like, a part of me where one day my, you know, my create, whatever, the core of my creativity is inside of me will just be like an appendix or something in your body that you don't need, you know? It just makes me wonder sometimes. Um, I can see certain parts of it. It's the same, like, with Google there's and other Search engines, there's certain parts of our critical thinking and certain parts of our long-term memory that are kind of getting worse. Is that bad? I mean, it's not good. We need to improve 
for example, how to learn how to figure out what sources are good. Right. So if we're, you know, trying to figure out, you know, who is a 17th president of the United States and we type it in, okay, boom, we don't have to remember that anymore. Right. But we also got to figure out, okay, well, is this a good source for that? If it's just who's president, but let's say it's, you know, even what's a good Mexican restaurant around here? Right. Well, was this something that very and, yeah. and was this being placed by the company that owns it? And we have to build up different skills. Sometimes we are, sometimes we're not. I mean, with social media, all this technology stuff, all of a sudden we can reach people in a way we were never able to do. I mean, if you were a stand-up comedian in the 40s and 50s, then yeah, you know, you'd be going from club to club. But if you weren't working with one of the five or six big clubs, which meant networking connection, right? if you didn't impress the one or two or three studio executives who would put you in a film, or um, they didn't even have that many records, but have you cut a record, you were kind of on the outside looking in. Nowadays, you can work and you can connect with people and you can communicate directly to an audience and I think that can be great. I think it can also be a little scary. Yeah, so the ability to connect creatively, the ability, the ability to share creativity and get it out there is really at a, it's at a unprecedented space. It's like kind of at an unprecedented level. Like even SoundCloud, for example, like, like SoundCloud is now a place where, you know, where, you know, rappers and not even good rappers can interact with each other constantly. But it's, it's like a place where everybody can be a musician. But does that mean that, I wonder, are we really creating better musicians or do we just have that everybody is a musician now? You know, even if it's bad, like, is it just, you know, like sometimes we you create a stable and just because everybody can now have a horse doesn't mean that any of these horse, you know, it just means everybody has a horse. You still They're might not win a race. Yeah. Everybody's not ready to race, really. To me, the big danger is, is getting on stage too early because then you're going to get feedback. And sometimes that's great, but it's a question of, can you handle having a thousand people say you suck? Right. Because some people are going to go, okay, I'm not a good rapper. I'm not, I'm, I'm not funny and just give up. Other people are going to go, screw you. I'm going to make you laugh and make you like this song. If you're an adult, that's one thing, but if you're 12, yeah. how many 12 year olds have the resiliency to, you know, you suck, you suck or any of that stuff yeah it's pretty wild because it used to be like if you you shared a talent it was a couple people at your school you know who saw it and you saw their faces and the teacher made them apologize to you if they said made fun of you and it was pretty much it was a world that you could still kind of manage a little bit you could say to your mom you know oh tommy didn't like what i did you know and his mom you know and his mom could call your mom or whatever but now you walk out and you put it out there and you know, you know, Larry, you know, Larry Applebaum seven thousand hits you up, and he's like, "You're going to hell or something." You didn't even, and your music wasn't even about hell, and you're like, "Jeepers, man!" And it's always there, and it's always there. Yeah, I mean, you release a song or a routine when you're fourteen, and then you're twenty five trying to do it, and it's still there. Yeah, some guys like, "Oh, hey, remember I wrote ten years ago? I just wanted to remind you again that you suck," and you're like, "Dang, bro." I mean, I, I was publishing these little tiny zines, you know, like hand cranked out in people's garages somewhere, like 
comedy or stories or horror fiction back when I was in my teens. Thank God those are all long gone. <laughs> I mean, they're like lining bird cages and they're, I mean, hopefully just in a compost heap somewhere. If, if I was having somebody who, hey, look, you wrote this when you were 15. Oh God, I, I would yeah. probably never write again. <laughs> It's true, huh? It's interesting in the memory, the memory of the internet. What's available with like the vault yeah. that's there? Yeah, I wonder sometimes. Like, um, I do notice that it's it is tougher to be creative. I feel like the more comfortable that that you get, I feel like your brain just not your brain, but I don't know. It's just there's something more romantic or more like inspirational about having to achieve something. Um, even just in the past year of my own life and having some more success, it's been for, for one, I've been tired, but for two, I've been, sometimes I'm like, man, am I, it really challenges, makes me wonder how, how am I still going to manage my creativity and still make sure that I stay creative? Cause that's the thing that I love the most about anything was like making a joke or making like a joke was always, if it was, if it was in the moment, you know, it was like, oh, that's something that's unprecedented, you know, it's just here and it's there and it's done and it's gone. And we can never go back to that exact moment, um, which is the one thing that I loved about, com that I love about comedy the most is just that it's just that split second, that, that spark of when a joke happens uh, and you just can't replicate it. Let me ask you a question. Why do you love comedy? What makes you love comedy? What what makes you want to do another routine, movie, special? Uh, oh, excuse me. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt the episode. I just have had a couple of chips. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. If you thought about therapy and you're not sure and you just kind of, you're driving in circles around your house or something and you, you keep calling the cops on people in your family or whatever, that can change. You can start communicating with a therapist in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a lot of range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network. I've used them myself. I was running late for something one day and I lost my mind and I had to pull over and I had to contact my BetterHelp therapist. Audra was her name. And she and I got at it on FaceTime right then and there. I was able to get some peace of mind. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today, and so do I. Visit BetterHelp.com Theo. That's BetterHelp.com Theo and join the over half a million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for this past weekend listeners, get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Theo. If you need help, get help. And now back to the episode. I think 
surprise, the element of surprise, I think. The fact that people don't know what's going to happen and that you know. So I think there's probably some control maybe in there, something. Um, and just getting to make people feel good. Just knowing that people are going to, like they don't know, but you're re they're really going to have fun. Let's say that you have two gigs. Your next Netflix special, and they're paying you three times as much. And small comedy club that, you know, you're getting barely enough to cover your gas money. Do you prepare differently for them? Yeah. How? If I may, how? Yeah, prepare differently. Like, I mean, for the Netflix special, I'll probably really rehearse and go through things, see what I'm going to wear, you know, have a little bit more of a produ produ production, you know, mindset. Whereas the other one, I'll just make sure that I get there a few minutes before I have to go on stage. Are you more likely to experiment with either one in what you say, what you, what you try out? Yeah, probably more likely to experiment at the smaller venue club. I mean, the way that both from the research, but also kind of just as a human being, as long as you keep varying, you're going to keep that passion. You're going to keep the creative need because you're going to still have that discomfort. You're going to still have that feeling of, okay. Because mm. like, I mean... I know you just. I don't know. You know. You, I know you just got signed, not just to the new Chris Pratt movie and all this stuff, and like that's a certain both level of exposure, but less freedom. As long as you make sure, and I know you're going to, that you still have these places where you have that freedom. Mm. You do. You mean, and, and you do both, obviously. Just keep it even. And as long as you don't give this up, you're not going to lose it. Mm. It's when people don't do this. And it's hard when this thing is paying so much money. And this is the thing that everybody's watching and, and seeing. And maybe, you know, 50 people are seeing this. 500,000 are seeing this. It's tempting. Okay, I want to do 95% of this. Yeah. As long as you don't give this up. And that's the stuff that got you in the first place. That's where you're still going to be. Okay, I want to try something new. Or I, I want to surprise these people. Right. In a way that, I mean, you know. Yeah, no, I love that. I, it's so it's, yeah, because it's almost yeah. I love that. I think uh, that's perfect. It's like so funny because it's, it's just some of the exact same stuff I need to hear right now. And here's yeah. another white guy with a question here, or young lady. Hey, uh, what's up, Nick? Man. This is Nick from Long Beach, California. Um, I've got a question for the professor coming in today. So I'm a musician, and I have been for most of my life. Um, music has always flowed out of me really easily. I would stay up late until, you know, two, three, four in the morning just writing and composing. But um, when I hit about 28 and I'm 30 now, that kind of stopped. Um, real life started to get in the way and that creative flow drained out of me and I don't know where to find it again. Um, I'm sure there's a, some kind of chemical reason or cause for that, but I just wanted to know if that's common and uh, what I can do to fix or combat that. Gang, gang. Gang, bro. That's a great question, that's a huh? great question. That's a vulnerable question, too. Thanks, Nick. And, I mean, it's something I can identify with. I mean, I always wanted to be a writer, and I wrote plays, and I kept doing that through grad school when you're not really supposed to. Like a playwright? Yeah. 
I've been I've been lucky. I mean, I I had a lot of my short plays produced places. I mean, wow. nothing anybody would have heard of. Right. But a playwright, yeah, it's like how do you even unless you're going to ancient Rome or like you know Stratford on Avon, where are you even going to get a gig? And so I did, but you know, my day job, which thankfully I ended up loving. But once I got the full time job, I got married. You know, I got kids. I stopped writing plays for about. 14, 15 years. Wow. I've only recently tried to get back into it. I mean, a lot of it is at a certain point, your real life starts creeping in on you. You have to make a living. You have to fulfill certain obligations. You have people who depend on you all of a sudden. I mean, if it's just you and you're, and you're single, you have no kids, there's a certain freedom. I have two boys. I adore them, you know. If I were to suddenly quit my job, that's not just me. Right. Not just affecting you. Yeah, life comes in. It's 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 why I think so many times I attach creativity to the young, too. Like when you have that nest around you, too. When you have just, you're not thinking, how is there going to be food tonight? You're not thinking, where is the milk? How Who's putting gas? None of those things are a part of your wheelhouse. And then as you get out into the world more, you're like, okay. I have to survive. I have to take care of myself, you know. I may have to take care of others. Dude, once, even just saying those three things right there. Doesn't that? There's no, yeah. There's no room for creed. There's not a lot of room for, I mean, you might be able to cut your son's ego in a, a star, but outside <laughs> of that, you're not doing a lot of arts and crafts. <laughs> and yet here's the kicker. Like, he knows more about music right now than he ever has in his life. Ah. It takes knowledge and experience to really get to the next level. And I mean, we have this society, this school system that doesn't really value creativity. Mm -mm. It values the test scores, the grades, do this, do that. I mean, I'm yeah. seeing this right now with my youngest, who is this bright, creative, a little, I mean, a little bit, little bit of a pain in the ass, little oh, bit, yeah. a little bit of an, little bit of an imp. I could have guessed. I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, and. Sometimes the school isn't really thrilled, and you know we get these emails or phone calls, and it's just oh god. And I mean, heck, my impulse is to start going, okay, let's just let's just tone it down, Asher. You know, let's just they say this, just just do it. By the time that you're out of school, by the time that you know you're in college or at a job, you know, it's not rewarded, it's not reinforced. People say they want creativity. Most don't. They, they want little creativity. They want, oh, figure out a quicker or cheaper way of doing this. Right. They don't want an idea that'll be, well, we actually now, maybe we should really rethink how we're approaching all this stuff. I mean, none of your teachers want to hear why they're wrong. I mean, yeah. I love it. But, but a lot don't, though. No. Which would honestly welcome a lot of creativity because then you're creating a lot of conversation, you know. Um, yeah, definitely the more that we are set in our ways about things and the more that we leave things set around us uh, and set things harshly around us, which happens a lot these days, especially in a lot of businesses because yeah. there's so many lawsuits or so many like um, yeah. you can't veer off the beaten path. You can't even be creative. Um, you can barely even speak, it's... you know, without fear. So for there to be room for creativity, sheesh, that's the first thing out of the door a lot of times. Right. Biggest advice, give yourself an hour a week, you know, mm. where, 
okay, yes, you have all this crap you have to do, and you're tired, and, and, you, and you're spending all this time on just surviving. Give yourself an hour a week. Turn everything off. And it's okay if you don't produce anything. It's okay. Like, again, my, my thing is writing, but when I have writer's block, which is a lot, it's okay to just read something you wrote before and try to remember that mindset. It's okay to just... It helps a lot. Oh, God, yes. Because you're reaching back to where you were being creative. Or just type words. Just, I mean, when I'm trying to write like more of my nonfiction stuff, I'll write the title and my name, mm-hmm. and then I'll do a page break, and I'll put a placeholder for where like the introduction goes, and all of a sudden, I'm on, I'm on page five. Yeah. And hey, I mean, I haven't written anything, but there's a feeling of, okay, I can do this. I'm doing something, yeah. I'm in this, the table set. Dude, I remember, remember when you were young, you would just write your name all the time? I mean, for like probably the whole time I was in school, I was just kind of writing my name and mm-hmm. drawing it differently and adding something, you know, or writing something, drawing a picture of a hat or something. You know, like you used to, you're, you always had a pen, you always had a, you, uh, an immediate element with a pen and paper, and you had to have it out in class to look like you were doing something. Yep. So you were always, there was just a half, such a half second between yourself and actually creating something. And whether it's drawing, whether it's writing, whether it's whatever. Whereas on a laptop, which I mean, most of my students have their, have their laptops out or, or their phones. I mean, you're much more inclined to be opening up Instagram, Twitter, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you're more likely to be consuming. And if you have like 30% of your brain that you're focusing with, you're probably not going to be doing something new. And you'll be aware that, okay, well, if I'm moving my thumbs or looking down at my crotch, the professor's probably going to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Whereas if you're just writing and taking notes and but then you start writing something else or, or drawing. I mean, there's a certain immediacy. There's a certain... You're creating, I mean, you're physically creating something that feels more tangible, I guess, maybe since it's right there as opposed to like a laptop or something. And it's, it's, it's done, it's there. I mean, when I'm in my idea phase, I still want a pad of paper and a pen. Yeah. You know, it... it because if I want to all of a sudden start drawing things in relationship to each other, I can. Yeah. And I know you can do that on like Microsoft, whatever. It screws up every time I try to do it. And then I start going into, okay, problem solving. How do I fix this? Right. Next thing you know, your whole hour is gone. You spend it. Listen, yeah. Good and the idea help. is gone. And right. And it's like, okay. And then you're upset. Yeah. I mean, how, how many times does it take for you to lose all, all your work when you, it crashes before you're like, yeah, done. Yeah, so to go back to what that young man's question was, I mean, I think that was a good suggestion to go back into what you've done before because you were creative then. So I, I noticed, like, I'll make a gratitude list about five days a week, right, in the morning and because I've struggled with trying to have gratitude, making sure that I have some gratitude. I feel it, but I need to really practice it, and I, and I want to feel it more. And so some, some days um, I'm like, man, I, I don't want to do this. So what I'll do, I'll go back and just read things. Oh, I'm so thankful for this friend of mine. I'm thankful that, you know, I have legs. I'm thankful that I can see, you know, different colors. I'm thankful, you know, for sharks. I'm thankful for this or that, you know, plants or whatever, you know, different, you know, different ways that people, you know, people can walk backwards. I'm thankful for anything, you know, I'll just, and then next thing you know, my brain, it's like, I don't know. I'm just in a place now where I'm like, man, I'm, I, I am thankful for stuff. I am grateful for things. Look at all these things I wrote, man. It could be a hundred pages of stuff. And and then my list is easier. And then I even yeah. feel what I've already was talking about. I wanted to feel gratitude. 
I just, I, 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 I am grateful. Instead of sitting there just pining, like, I don't know if I'm grateful today or not, you know. Um, yeah, just going back to our work, which was a, a starting point before that we conquered. Absolutely. And you're always a little better than you think because when you first do it, you probably are not as good as you think. But then you work on it and then you're remembering what you used to do and you're probably being very critical. But then you go back and you know, maybe it was more raw, but you see who you, what you were thinking and it's a little freeing. Yeah. I mean, listening to the music that he, that he, that he did oh, yeah. five years ago, just, just listening to it. You know, I mean, listening to it in the car. And I mean, so part, I mean, like part of me is a very hard time reading my own stuff or I mean, seeing myself or watching myself. Um, but reminding yourself of if you're not who you are creatively where you want to be, remind yourself of when you were. Yeah. And, that person's in you. That person oh, is yeah. there. Oh, yeah. And that person's still listening and paying attention and thinking and has new melodies. And, and it doesn't mean these are going to be brilliant melodies. You know, I mean, there are all these books, you know, how to be a creative genius. You know, I can't tell you that. Yeah. Because frankly, most people aren't, but who cares? I mean. Well, in some ways, everybody's creative in some ways, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. It's the word genius that I hate. Oh, yeah. Because. Yeah. Everybody wants to be a genius. Everybody wants to be the best. With creativity. I mean, yes, there are some people who, of course, who are creative geniuses, but I love thinking, think about your audience. And that audience, it can be just you. It can be your friends. I mean, it can be the person you're doing something for. I mean, if you're working on something, you know, that you want to give to your girlfriend or your mom, you know, I mean, think of, hopefully not the same thing. Um, yeah. Sorry. Some areas, though. <laughs> we got some select areas out there where some Very stuff's still legal, you know. <laughs> and you think about who is it for. And A, it kind of reinforces the motivation, but it also, okay, well, her favorite color is orange. I'm going to work that in her. Oh, she really likes chihuahuas. And it kind of guides the work. I mean, you can be your own audience after you do it. I mean, I'm just thinking about you were talking about you have the ideas and you try them out and then you go back. I mean, when you're reading or um, speaking the ideas from a while ago, you may not even remember when you wrote it down. No, yeah. And it's almost like you're collaborating with yourself in a weird way. Yeah, it is. It's funny. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that exactly. I just recently started doing it. Like, I was having trouble. So one day I went back and read and it made me feel so much better. And I was like, oh, man, I, I'm, I'm writing down things that are great. I can do this. This isn't. And I have a lot in me. I'm like, oh, look at all these different things. And it made me. Yeah, it just set the table so much differently inside of me because I showed up with this this pressure to create right now. Um you know, so one of the things you were saying made me think about like this, con we're constantly creating now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like we have to update. We need an update on our Facebook. We need an update on our Instagram. We have to update. We need new. We need content, you know. Um, where it used to be, you would have something and it'd be like, man, that was your thing for a while, you know. We got a question that came in right here from a possibly young Vietnamese fella. Who is he? It's your boy Zane from Denver. I uh, just wanted to know what you guys thought about creative overload. Sometimes I feel like I want to create everything. Like I'm trying to start a podcast. I want to make music. I want to animate my texts and, and do video editing. And I, I want to 
I want to do everything. But sometimes I just feel like I got to pick and choose where my energy goes. And I just want to know, do you guys ever feel creatively overloaded where you just, you just want to do all these different projects but can't? Or do you guys just pick the things that you feel most passionate about? Let me know what you guys think. Thanks. It's Zane signing off. Gang, gang. Gang, gang. That's a great question, Zane. Zane, yeah, it might be Russian. Um, I, you know, that is a great question. Why don't you the doctor, man? Yeah, I thought it was kind of similar to what you just, like, yeah, you know, no. just all those different, we used to focus on one thing, now there's... Yeah, and it feels that way too, doesn't it? And certainly, I mean, I feel creative overload. I, um, I always have too many things that I want to do and too many other things I have to do. And the thing about what Zane was talking about is that sometimes they were in different areas and, and it takes different things to be creative in different areas. Oh, yeah. It takes some space between the two sometimes. Yeah. I'm doing banking and then I gotta, you know, I'll close my Chase account and then I'm supposed to write a paragraph about something. I need a few minutes, man. Yeah, yeah. It takes different knowledge. It takes, I mean, you can't practice this, I mean, is different practices, you know? When I was younger, I was like, okay, I'm gonna try to do everything. Now I'm older, you know, and one of the big, actually one of the big things was about two years ago, I had a heart attack. No way, man. And I, I was a lot bigger. Um, oh, wow, huh? Lost weight, I mean, still big, but you know, not. I, don't th I think you look right size, yeah. man. You look like you could do a safari. You look like you could do a thank you, sir. On a dinosaur, I would see you doing those things, James. I'd probably be the first one eating, but thank you. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> look, man, delectable. <laughs> You'd be that delectable choice, you know. And a little more tender, I think. <laughs> all right. <laughs> wow. So did that adjust? I mean, what did that it, do to it you? It changed it because I was. I re I decided that there had to be a particular reason for me picking any project I did. I mean. One big reason was the passion, the love, that, you know, this is something I, I love doing. It's like right now, one of the books I'm doing, I'm a big theater geek. Um, and me and a composer who, um, Zombie Prom and a lot of really fun musicals, uh, Dana Rowe, we're finishing up this book on creativity and musical theater for young performers and just kind of conveying all this, how can you be creative? And, and it's just fun. We, we Skype every Wednesday and it's one of the most fun I've, had on a project wow i do things to help folks i mean i love mentoring students and so i'll do stuff i have a graduate students undergrads and i'll do stuff that is closer to their interests that will help them advance in the field because that to me the just being able to give back even if it's a little bit is, is huge and i mean third thing is more practically like okay some things pay money and money is a decent thing to have right but it's it's not letting any of that certainly not letting the money part overwhelm things mm. but it's not like you're to make that i mean you can't just follow your heart because right because you also have to survive it does become a balance you know almost going back yeah it's like it does yeah you have to balance it but like you're saying that balance is what's going to also keep you in a space to be creative to want to stay passionate um yeah, that overload is such a big thing, man. It's like you got 19 things open going on. You just agreed to do something else because you want to do it. It sounds great. And just, you can really get burnt out. How do you make choices? Um, 
I've gotten a little bit better about saying no about things. I mean, really, a lot of times if I find if I'm overthinking something too much, then it's not something that I wanted to do. So unfortunately, I'm re extremely indecisive. It's something that I just, I really struggle with it. Uh, and it, it's hard, so I don't make it's them hard very to well. say no. It's hard to say no, though. You know? Yeah. We're so, we tend to be people pleasers. Yeah. I mean, you're in a comedy. You want to make people laugh. You, you know, and telling them, no, I can't do that. That, that. Yeah, I want people to like me. I want to like myself, you know. So if I'm not trying to please them, I'm trying to please myself. And between that pack of wolves, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a constant yes. And there's so many options of things to do now. So that's another thing. It's like, say you make a to-do list of the things you, ha like you said, things I have to do. And then when I'm done with those things that I would like to do. So you get your have-tos out of the way, your requirements. Then you're left with a list of things I'd like to do. But then today... There's 7,000 things trying to influence you, and there's so much other available content. It used to be you had to ride your bike to your buddy's house to even look at his diorama for 20 minutes, you know? And then his mom knew y'all was hiding pornography somewhere and beat everybody's butt. But now it's like you can, you know, you can, uh, you can do anything. You can order a sheep's costume. You can be playing Legend of Zelda with seven people from China. You can do anything you want. And it's right there. So, and those things are very addictive. So, for those things to be sitting on top of the things you would like to do every time, your passion projects and stuff, man, it's a real battle. Because, I mean, you can't be creating twenty four seven. It's exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. You know, and so you had the. I mean, first it's this. Okay, well, I do want to blow off steam and relax. You know, and then what are the things that are exciting enough to me that it's in almost that same category that working on this, creating this thing is the same level of fun as the really you know, fun thing that yeah. you know, whatever it is you enjoy doing that may not be, that probably isn't creating. I mean, if you can find something that you're working on that you get that same level of passion that's even though this is brain work or it's emotion work or it's requires thought and effort i still want to do this even more than just you know doing the thing that allows me to zone out i mean that that's a pretty nice sign that you're onto something yeah that you're onto something you really care about yeah so it's hard it'd be hard to say no to things but it does get easier to do it and then what i start to realize is people appreciate it when i can communicate a lot clearer yeah. you know it really even though part of me is like oh, i don't want to say this because i'm going to upset them it's really people just want to make the most use of their time as well and to really be able to communicate clearly and really just find out, yeah, what's, what, what is really passionate for you? You know, sometimes too, at your core, sometimes it's just hard to admit to yourself. Cause I mean, absolutely. I mean, if you've ever, I'm sure, I mean, every, all of us have worked on stuff that just your heart wasn't into it and it was kind of boring, but you knew you had to do it. I mean, yeah. High school <laughs> and beyond that. <laughs> I mean, I'll do like two minutes of on that and then I'll three minutes on something else. And it'll keep coming back and I'll be doing it minute by minute by minute until this 10 minute task will take me like four hours because I hate it so damn much. Yeah. I mean, if I think like why, why are we creative? You know, like what? Well, we need out of necessity probably originally. Yeah. Stuff we need, you know, it, it's stuff, enjoyment. I mean, 
oh yeah, like if you want to say you're in a man, you're in Adam and Eve or somebody, or you know, Larry and Janet or whoever you believe in, you know, say or you know, or Rashid and whoever, you know, Chan Trace or whatever, whoever's in the garden and the guy sees the girl walk by, he might try to do a magic trick or something with a stick and a leaf or something to try and get her attention. He's going to be creative. He's going to, I mean, even in nature, you see those little lizards and stuff show off their backbones and whatever. Oh, yeah. You know, they do that. Or you got and, the, the bower birds there and they go and they find all this pretty stuff and they yeah. make like a, like a something pretty or they'll hide a piece of food and they'll build stuff around it. But some male bower birds learned we don't need the piece of food. We just take a rock, build over it, and by the time the female bowerbirds get to the rock, and they're going, hey. That's a wife. <laughs> or well, the male bowerbirds 10 miles away going, well, thank you. Yeah, sayonara, man. Damn, birds are wild. Um, but yeah, it's uh, so yeah, creativity because you want to get something. Here's some people right here, decent group. Uh, let's see what we got. Hey, Theo. We have a question. Are left-handed people more creative than right-handed people? Gang, gang. Gang. That's a beautiful group. Look like nurses or something, maybe? I'm trying to figure what the photos up there were, because it also... Teachers, possibly? Yeah, it could be teachers. Plan Lots of binders. Uh, yeah. Beautiful groups of ladies and a gentleman right there. Yeah, are left-handed people more... Yeah, let's answer that for them, doctor. That one's easy. No. No. The whole left brain, right brain... No, no, no. Doesn't matter. No, no. Does, doesn't work that way. Um, creativity is not a left brain thing. Analytic reasoning is not a right brain thing. It's all way more complicated and something that both of us could be trying to understand for the next five hours and not come to something, but it's not right brain, left brain. I see. Yeah, you always have people be like, oh, well, Daniel's left brain, you know. He and can't, you know. Wow. He don't know how to play dodgeball or something. You're like, well, what the hell does that have to do with anything? <laughs> Yeah, some people, it's just like the most simplest way to say things, I guess, sometimes. And it's, I mean, you can't blame them. No. I mean, it's like whenever there's a new study out about creativity, people always forward it to me. And it'll always be a quick and easy thing. You, know, you want to be more creative, try. And it's, you know, a messy desk or going for a walk or having some chocolate. And it's always, well, you know, I mean, it probably wouldn't hurt but it's not going to make you all of a sudden more creative. I mean, maybe it puts you in a good mood. You know, we're talking about if you're in a good mood, you might come with more ideas. Yeah, but you're not going to suddenly be, you know, uh, you know, who's a famous artist, dude? The guy Picasso. that did Snoopy. Yeah, Picasso. Or Charles Schultz. <laughs> yeah, Charles, yeah. You're same not gonna, thing, same yeah. thing. You're not going to suddenly be, yeah, I remember when I was growing up, they said if you eat peanuts and raisins together at the same time, it'll make your brain activate <laughs> and you'll be able to be more creative. And I remember they would give us that before at school. That some of the some of the parents would bring bring them in little bags for the kids in class. If it was that easy, I mean, I mean, come on. If you knew that there was anything you could do that would make you funnier, I mean, you'd do it. Yeah. I but mean, the only thing I can do is practice. Yeah. Is it the same with creativity? Then you think? Yeah. I mean, I, if there was a quick, easy, sexy solution of oh, you want to be more creative, just blank. I'd already be a multimillionaire because yeah. I would just be doing that. Creativity is about revision. It's about figuring out what you need to know and getting experience with the domain. And, and you know, if you want to be a writer, reading other stuff. If you want to be a, a comedian, you, I mean, thankfully this part's more fun, but you got to watch a bunch of comedy. I mean, there are certain 
rules, so to speak, even of comedy, where it's not, oh, I want to break the rules. You got to understand them before you break them. Well, now you, you can watch comedy, not even by watching like, you know, comedian sets, even just by being in a lot of funny instances, watching other people be funny, seeing what works and what doesn't. Like I'll, I'll see somebody do something sometime and they don't even realize it. And I'm like, oh man, that's such a unique way to be funny. That person doesn't, they, they don't even realize what they're doing. But um, sometimes you meet people just the way they are and the way that they talk or behave or something is just extremely funny for some reason. Um, it's like the, it's like the joke is, not that they're the joke personally, but just the way that they approach the world is just, it's like the, the setup is already there. So the punchline, yes. when they say anything, it's a punchline. Um, you know, going back to what you were talking about with uh, with education and how they really do not, they don't. It's not that they don't value. I think teachers really value creativity when they see it, but it's it's almost like they don't have time to teach it, or or it's just not something that we value as a society, or it's just that we already haven't put enough pressure on our education system that has nothing to do with them. You know, what do you, do you think? I think you're, think? I think you're hitting on some great stuff. I mean, most teachers who I know, they want to encourage creativity. I mean, there's a lot of this stereotype of, oh, schools kill creativity and all this stuff. I mean, not really. I mean, most teachers truly want their students to be more creative. Usually they don't know how to do it. I mean, when you get trained to be a teacher, there's no class on nurturing. I mean, okay. There is at UConn because we help, you know, I, I help teach it. Do? <laughs> but <laughs> usually yeah. it's not how do you nurture creativity and it's not always intuitive. I mean, so often the impulse is, okay, well, you know, to give the gold star or, or the reward and, you know, that can kind of kill creativity pretty easily. So you have teachers who don't always know and, and teachers who may not trust themselves to know what's creative even though they probably know a lot more than they think they do. But then you have the whole... I mean, the schools are judged by the standardized test scores. And these standardized test scores, I mean, I mean, my first two years out of grad school, I worked for a testing company. I mean, I, I, it's not that they're meaningless or anything because, I mean, people tend to feel very extremely. Either standardized test scores is the only way or they're complete garbage. And they, neither is true. I mean, yeah. they mean something, but they don't mean everything. And when a teacher's pay is determined by the standardized test score of their students i mean should i be teaching the test of course yeah you got to keep your job i mean you have to survive people are going to want to survive it's and it's not even like i mean the principals and superintendents often don't have that kind of flexibility i mean the places that i've worked with that are excited about creativity or are doing really good stuff a lot of that is when people up on high the superintendent both have the flexibility and the interest and it trickles down mm. I mean, one problem is that the really good people end up getting picked up for better jobs and they Private leave. Private sector stuff. And then, boom, school, go, school goes right back to the way it is. They bring in a principal who wants things. Nope, why are we doing this? We need these test scores. It's, um, and the funny thing is creativity adds to test scores. I mean, there's some work I'm doing with this school in Australia with this guy, Tim Patston. It's the Geelong Grammar School. And they've been looking at creativity and increasing creativity. And we just found out that creativity helps predict their big test score almost as much as grades do. Mm. And grades, obviously. I mean, if I say, hey, you get good grades, do you think you're going to get a good test score? Of course. Yeah. 
But if I say, hey, you're really creative, you're gonna get a better test score. You know, I don't know, maybe. Well, creativity, I remember, helped a lot of times, especially that's why I loved when it came to the question, the, the written out ones. Because you're like, oh, I didn't study, I didn't read anything, but I got a chance, you know? It's like if you could find a way to be crafty enough in that space when you had to write out your, when you had to really give an answer, it was like, what do you think about this? Then you really had a shot, I felt like, sometime um, with creativity. You could really create, some, you know, you could, yeah, you just had a chance. You know, you had a chance to make something new. You had a chance to make something novel. Now, one thing, so say if like, you know, this, a lot of times teachers have to teach based on the test scores and, um, and a lot of, uh, a lot of people at a certain point, they might think, oh, well, this, a lot of extremely creative people will drop out of formal education or, you know, um, go, you know, public school, or whatever school and still do really well. I mean, sometimes that even drives people, doesn't it? Doesn't, doesn't that sometimes spurn their creativity more like, oh, they don't understand me here in this space. I need to take my own path, which is kind of what creativity is sometimes or. It can. They have to get lucky. And this is also where money comes in. If you have these people who feel that way and they drop out, but they're from a well-off family, that's one thing. You end up, you, you, you end up losing more people, I think, than you gain, so mm -hmm. to speak. Because certainly you have people, screw this, I'm dropping out, I'm forming my own company, and you have these amazing success stories. But you also have the people who have, they could have just been allowed to flourish a little bit more in high school, would have realized wait, I'm passionate about this and I can express myself this way and then would have stuck with it and done something that would have used their creativity and contributed to the world. You know, it's funny. Sometimes, like, I think some people are really creative. Like, people can be creative in all type of ways. Like, the way that somebody yeah. loves somebody could be very creative. Oh, you know, yeah. the way that somebody... You know, I had an ex-girlfriend who... Uh, you know, she would do really nice things, like leave a really nice note sometimes if that was really sentimental, you know. And I always thought, it's not creative, but just her idea of how to create love and the show express that was very creative, I thought. Um, I'd argue that is creative. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah it, it was creative. Yeah, to me it was creative. I guess it's just not what, the, what we generally think of when we think of creativity. Exactly. And, and that's one of the things that limits us. Because, I mean, if you think of, okay, what's creative? I mean, Arts, okay, somebody who paints or draws or composes, and, and yes, it is. So science, so is business, and so is all this stuff in everyday life from writing love notes. Magic. Magic, oh God, yeah, magic. Animal training. Oh. Mm. I have an African gray parrot who I've taught to quote science to lambs. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Freaks the hell out of our guests. You win this round, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I used to make love to a girl in Denver, and if she had a uh, gray parrot that would stay on my shoulder the whole time. This girl Kelly back in the day, but... You know that her parrot still makes sounds <laughs> of the kind... Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Well, okay. the only sound I made was, oh, sorry. <laughs> that's, that's my... <laughs> but my audience knows I'm not really sexually good at it. But um, So does the parrot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I can't even imagine... I hope the pair doesn't take up smoking like I did at that time. It was different times. Um, we had a couple of other questions. I want to get to one video question that came in here right here for you. Uh, I also had a question about drugs and creativity. Like a lot of people think it uh, 
kind of inspires them or they need it to be creative. Have you done research on that? Do you see people are more creative with alcohol or weed? So there's been a lot of research on this. and Oh, yeah, by a lot of my friends even. The informal kind. Your producer. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, producer and Colin are our new co-producer. Kind of like the mental illness question. You're going to find this study or that study saying this or that. But I'm going to just give a more overall thing. A lot of people will smoke weed, drink, or do other stuff because they think it will make them become creative. And people who, for example, who smoke pot, they think they're being more creative. So if you have a bunch of people and you have this half, we're going to give you some weed, and this half, we're going to give you like oregano, but just tell you it's weed, and they all do something creative. The people who are on weed are going to think, man, we were just we did great. This is super creative. But then you take what they did and you show it to other people, the people on pot aren't more creative. Mm. It, it, there's no difference. It's just a perception. It's just a perception. And is that perception only when they're under the influence of pot or when they're high? Because when they sober up, do they think, yeah, I guess they just think, oh. And I mean, well, of course, I could not speak from experience, but how many not. of people may look back on what they were notes they took whatever oh, yeah. or scribblings when they were inebriated or on some chemical and go what the hell was i thinking or this is not the answer to the world problem yeah i thought i always had the answer <laughs> to the world bro that's so funny i i one time i was real real high and uh and oh man what happened oh i thought i had this great joke i drove by i wasn't driving but i was in the car by myself going forward <laughs> of course and uh <laughs> And I saw a snake. They had like a snake, a cartoon snake on a billboard. And here was the joke I thought. I thought to myself, I was going to tell my friends, oh, I saw a snake. Don't worry. It was on a billboard. That was the joke. <laughs> and it was, and I thought at the time, no joke, man. I wrote it down nine times to make sure I'd written it down because I don't trust ink that much when I'm high, you know. And then the next day I read it and I was like, oh my God, this is the dumbest thing ever. And that's when I was right, when, when it was the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. So, so overall, that's the, that's the truth. But is there sometimes, I mean, there's sometimes where somebody under the influence could do something amazing? Oh, of course. I mean, there's also, whenever we study stuff, there's this question of whether something's related or whether it actually causes it. Mm. I mean, it's the same way they say, like, if, if you give infinite monkeys typewriters, they'll write Shakespeare. I mean, if you have a whole bunch of people who are getting high regularly, which kind of describes college, people are going to do really creative stuff. Yeah. It doesn't mean the weed is there a reason why they're being creative. It's the same thing with mental illness and creativity. Of course, all these people who have different mental disorders may be incredibly creative. It doesn't mean there's any causal link. And if anything, it may be that when things are acting up, it may be harder to create. Or in a more positive way, the creativity may help them cope and, and feel better. But it's not some romantic Vincent Van Gogh cutting off his ear, you know. And you know, I have, you know, yeah, I've done thirty-seven shots of vodka. I'm going to create the world's great novel. It doesn't doesn't really work that way. Maybe you're drunk and writing the world's great novel, but but probably not. Probably not. William Faulkner is probably an alcoholic who also wrote. And so a lot of times they marry the two that it was, you know, there's definitely a, romantic, a romanticization that happens over time with almost anything, really. 
I feel like we almost romanticize anything. So you're going to take the fact that he probably had alcoholism and then put it with the fact that he wrote a lot. And next thing you know, he's this great guy who's sitting behind a bottle of scotch. And we're not really thinking about all the other alcoholics who maybe would have been amazing, but who were passed out in their own vomit. I mean, that's Ole Miss University is where that all occurred to (laughs) University of Mississippi. And it really is. Sorry. But yeah, shout out to uh, Kappa Sig there. But, um, you know, it's because I used to worry, you know, I don't do drugs or alcohol. And I used to worry that if I stopped doing those, that I wouldn't be able to be creative. Um, and, and it's a fear of a lot of people. And there's no evidence of that. Just as there's no evidence. Because I, similarly, a lot of people are worried about taking like prescription drugs for anxiety, depression. That does not hurt creativity. Really? And that's. I think that too sometimes. That's funny. I it's heard so that important. It's so important to realize that because people often won't seek help. You can't be creative after you're dead. Right. That definitely ceases creativity. I mean, and if you're suffering, even if you look at the most stereotypical of, you know, the mad geniuses or whatever, the people with extreme depressions or manias. Like Howard Hughes, maybe? He was an extreme case, but yes, I suppose I just say extreme cases at the most extreme was not when they were being their most creative. Uh, like if you're going up and down at the peaks in the valleys, you're, you're still not creating. If It is always worth it both from a life point, but also even a creativity point to get yourself better. Yeah. I mean... What, is there something inside of us then you think at like a like a like a man versus world level or something that makes us think that having pain or something will give us creativity do you think it's some yeah. we want something to have a reason for existing and bad things happen and that sucks and bad things happen to us and that sucks if we can make something come out of it okay, I had a shitty childhood, but I write about it or paint about it. Therefore, it was worth it. Mm. So there's an inspiration there. A lot of inspiration comes from struggle, a lot of creativity. Does creativity come from struggle? It can. Absolutely. But not only from that. Like, it's not, it's not, not enough so to put yourself through the struggle. I see. You know, so it's like, I mean, yes, if you grew up with these hardships, that can absolutely be an inspiration. The same way, you know, if you went through a period of making bad decisions, but it's not a reason to make more bad decisions or to do more things. I see. Because it just doesn't, we want it to make sense because then whatever stupid mistakes or this relationship didn't work out. Exactly. And I mean, I wish life was that easy, you know. I mean, yeah, it's nice if it justifies for us as we're getting better. If we use it as like, oh man, yeah, all that behind me, I'm glad that's behind me now, and I'm exactly. using that as like mom- as a motivation or inspiration or momentum to do something different now. Absolutely, but if we're using it as well, I should probably stop doing this. But it's making me creative. That's not helpful. Yeah, that's just a bad. That's that's just not the truth. No. Yeah. What do we have here, Nick? Here's a beautiful little lady right there. 
Could have fixed her hair, but fuck it. She wrote that, I didn't. <laughs> hey James, my name is Renee from Hi. Pennsylvania, and I was hoping that you could cover the different types of creativity. I'm just assuming that it's almost like different types of intelligence. Um, and if it is, um, maybe something that the different types of creativity can do better than the other types. Almost like a career path or something like that. Um, or if you can expand on the different types just in general. That'd be great. Thanks. Thank you. Absolutely. So there are a ton of these different theories about stuff. I'm just going to pick a few really kind of important stuff. Okay. So you had the idea of divergent thinking. And that's being able, that's a type of creativity when you're coming up with a whole bunch of ideas. Mm -hmm. It's what you might think of as brainstorming. Oh, yeah. And that is really good at the beginning of a creative, of a, of a project. There's what's sometimes called convergent thinking or idea evaluation. And that sounds really unsexy because choosing your best idea, that doesn't sound creative. But that ability is also incredibly important mm. because you can come up with 30 ideas, but you don't have time in your life to pursue all 30. Right. And figuring out, okay, these two are the ones that are the best, the most creative, the ones that I think can work. That is its own ability and process. There is what's sometimes called associative thinking. And that's you know, these different concepts or thoughts. And there's often a fairly obvious connection, but trying to think of as many different connections as you can. So, like if I say cow, there's 30 words that are probably right away coming into your head. And, and that, you know, moo. Milk boy. Yeah. Making, okay, how remote can I go? How much can I think of things that other people aren't going to think of? Mm. These are all different types of what we might call um, like creative thinking. There's also a lot of stuff involving the creative personality. One huge thing is being open to experiences. This is um, like wanting to try new foods, wanting to do new things, wanting to just have new experiences. When you say, what the hell? I'm going I'm to try this even though I haven't done it. So for some people, it's traveling. For other people, it's wanting to get into nature. There's also openness to ideas. And that's wanting to challenge yourself intellectually. That's wanting to debate people. It's wanting to problem solve. But it's also being willing to accept that you might be wrong. Mm. So openness to experience tends to be related a bit more to arts, openness to intellect, a bit more to science business stuff. Another component that sometimes will happen before idea generation is problem finding. We're so used to being mm. given the problem, often we're solving the wrong problem. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's you could call that our. You could call it the government. Any <laughs> anytime you want throughout history. I feel like Hollywood does that a lot of times. I feel like they're always. Everybody thinks they're proactive. They're very reactive, and they're always solving a problem that I feel like is eight months too late, I feel like. I mean, every, yeah, one successful movie 
does something and they come out with 30 movies just like it. Yeah. I mean, it's, let's say that all your friends are like, you know, Theo, you're just not that funny. There's a bunch of different problems you might be wanting to address. One of, okay, maybe you're not funny. Maybe your friends are just assholes. Right, who knows, you gotta find out what the problem is. And, and they all could be the problem. Yeah. A little bit. But so often we'll just jump to something where, I mean, if you realize, oh, I'm not making enough money to be able to s still live in LA. There's a lot, you know, maybe you're, okay, I'm gonna work more and make more money or I'm gonna cut expenses. If somebody's been hacking your account and is stealing 2,000 bucks a month, you're off solving these problems and, and it, it's still, you're still getting screwed. Right, you're solving problems you might not even have because you're not seeing the, a different problem. That's interesting, so there's even creativity when you're looking for what the problem is. Oh yeah, and, and in real life, it's, it's like a doctor trying to treat a patient. You got the symptoms and I mean, certainly, you know, there's the old saying that you look for horses and not zebras, but sometimes it's a zebra. Yeah. And being able to do that, not jumping in with both feet and ending up wasting all your time and resources on solving the wrong thing. That's a new problem right there if you do that. Yeah. You just made a whole new problem. I know we had, um, uh, we had, uh, a, a Dr. Jordan Peterson had a um, a theory about creativity. Yeah, it was just, uh, you know, his idea of creativity was that in order for something to technically be creative, it has to be something new. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm curious. One example I could give would be, say you're a fan of music and you make a cover song of somebody else's original music. You've then created something new that wasn't there before. But is it really creative? What I'd argue is that just like before I was talking about different, when I was talking about different creative processes, there's also different types of creative contributions, you might say, where you have some that are the shockingly new, oh my God, this changes the field and everything's different. And that's what we often will think about. You know, when we think about, you know, Tesla or inline roller skates, any of that. The iPhone, all that stuff. iPhone. But this all, I mean, most creativity that we know is usually just like a little step forward. And I mean, so, okay, you know, that water bottle that you have, that is a slightly cheaper version of a different water bottle. Right. That was a little bit of an innovation. Or that design is made so that it, gives you a better angle when you tilt the bottle back. These are all modifications. Is this shocking creativity? No, but it's, it's increment. It's a little small bit. And then you have this almost replication creativity where you're doing things in your way. Mm. And, that, and this would be, you know, you doing a cover of a song or you, um, painting your own version of something you like see. Some, like Papi painted his own version of The Simpsons. And I, and I was actually, I mean, and this is a great example. I mean, is this creative? I think it's really creative. Is it shockingly new? Well, it's somebody else's style. It still counts. I mean, it's one of the things I often will come back to because people, and I, I 
sometimes I feel like a broken record. You know, they'll say, oh, I'm not creative, whatever. And some of it is they'll think, well, yeah, I did my own version of it, but that's not new. And okay, maybe you're not a genius. I, you know, I'm not saying people are all geniuses. It still counts. It still counts. Yeah. And you get you get credit, whatever you want to say for that. I mean, there is, um, you know, the Lonely Island song um, with Akon? Uh, no, that's with T-Pain. Yeah, the other one with Akon. Um, they've just had... Uh, as I would say in my class, to be delicate, they've just been physically intimate with somebody. Okay. And they keep giving all these situations, still counts. Still counts. Where's a bag on her head? Still, still counts. counts. <laughs> you know, you're doing your little doodle and you're not showing to anybody? Still counts. You're, you know, you're, you're telling a joke in your own way that you heard another comedian say, assuming that you're giving credit, um, still counts. You're doing your own spin on it. You're, you're making it a little bit better. You're writing fan fiction or whatever. You're doing your own version of something still counts and you're creative doesn't mean you can't improve you should improve right it counts and give yourself credit for that yeah if you build a building even though somebody's already built a built a building and you're not franklin lloyd Wright, um was he a building maker um yeah okay then yeah still counts you still built a building you still did something you don't you still did something magnificent something that's hard to do and something that's still gonna be there is it hard for us to do, they say everything has been done. I'm sure you get approached with this kind of question a lot. I mean. You think we're getting close? No. I mean, back in the 1800s, the guy from the patent office, well, everything that could possibly be invented has been invented. Well, that almost have been an asshole because everybody keeps saying that. God, you just want to. Pessimist. I mean, we always end up going in different directions. I mean, if you go back to the 60s and you try to see, okay, well, what do they think the future was going to be like? It was all flying cars and the moon and living, you know. Okay, that didn't happen. But we can communicate with anybody instantly. You can have a, a buddy who lives in Spain and you can talk to him every day for free. Yeah. I mean, whoever, I mean nobody ever would have thought of that in the 60s. Okay, probably some guy thinking that. It'll just be different. Right. We may not know the new the, the the medium. We may not know. Do you think that there's still a lot we can learn scientifically? There's still a lot to learn out there. Do you think there's like, oh yeah, that we're do you? Because sometimes I feel like oh we've we've kind of figured it out. Everything we got the periodic table of elements. We know everything that's here. We know we know all the recipe items. Do you think there's more out there? I think there's a lot more out there than already is. I think that. I mean, this is true for, I think, anything, but we know a very small little bit. And, I mean, look, studying creativity is not curing cancer. It's not nuclear physics or whatever. Right. Um, or even close. But but at the world of possibility, I feel like, is part of it with creativity. And just trying to figure out, you know, what makes people more creative? What are the people who are creative? What do they have in common? How can we help it? How can we help these people? How can we encourage it? How can we figure out I mean, just how do you give feedback to somebody to get them to be more creative? I mean, if you're too mm, harsh, yeah. they're going to go, okay, I guess I, I just suck at it. But if you're too lenient, they're never going to learn. They're just going to keep sucking. Obviously, there's somewhere that medium point. There are so many of these questions that if you actually look, okay, well, what does the research say? I mean, even if something like, you know, creativity in marijuana, that's such a, everybody thinks that. That's, that's certain questions that, you know, people always want to know. And it's been studied, but we're talking 20, 25 studies, not 400. And, I mean, how do you measure creativity? Right. I mean, I have some answers, 
But there's a whole bunch of different creativity tests, and they're all good for this, bad for that. And if you have 30 studies, five of them use this measure, and five use that one, and six just are asking people what they think. And so you can't even really combine all of it. And so if you're just trying to ask a really basic question, like, okay, well, are people who are creative in physics, are they the same people who are creative in music? I mean, short answer is probably not, but we don't quite know. We're still figuring out, or what are the things that will kind of predict who's the creative scientist, who's a creative businessman or businesswoman, who's a creative teacher. Or if they find some tangent between physics and music, yeah. that suddenly the whole playing field is different. And suddenly your physicians are damn, you know, uh, kid rock or whatever, you know. And and that's such good words. That, and the funny thing is that's the type of creativity that scares the crap out of people. Like the, the little incremental stuff, the, oh, you know, we're making this cop show, except now the cops are all professional circus clowns. You know, that's like a little bit forward. Nobody's scared of that. Everybody likes that. It's when you're talking, well, hey, maybe when we do surgery, we should be, you know, playing. Listening to Megadeth. Yeah. Listening to Megadeth, or we should be doing it and using our feet instead of hands. I mean, that's the type of creativity that scares the crap out of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't like it. They don't like creative people. They say they do, but they don't. Well, then there must be such a difference then between somebody who's able to think creatively and somebody who can't. There must be, or, or maybe when it comes to ideas, um, if I it scares people that much. Can't. Instead of can't, I'd say won't. I think all of us can, but it's risky. It's taking a risk. I mean... Are you willing to risk pissing people off or looking stupid or losing money or all this stuff in order to put forward this idea? And so many of us aren't. So many of us take the safe choice. So many of us, I mean, it's a hell of a lot easier to do what's been done or just to tweak it a little bit. I mean, if you wanted to, you could give the exact same comedy routine every single time and you'd be fine the rest of your life. And there are a lot of people that sounds pretty great. They don't have to think. But just when, yeah, but at a certain point, yeah, I would lose. It would, yeah. You'd go crazy. I'd go crazy. <laughs> I'd melt. You have that need to create. Not everybody has the need, but others had the need. Don't know how. Others had the need, but don't have the resilience, don't have the support. I mean, I was lucky. I had a really encouraging family, you know, and. Folks are psychologists. Um, I had really good teachers. Like a lot of people who study creativity often, oh, they had they struggled in school or whatever. You know, I was lucky. I don't mean like I was a great student, but I really liked my teachers and I was supported. And I was lucky. I mean, there are people who don't have these advantages, and it t you got to be brave and resilient and and push back and keep going. And it means defying, defying other people defying yourself defying, having all these people always say you're wrong you're wrong yeah it's hard or having people not understand you as well it's like a way that you take it you know it, but to you it, it comes off as you're wrong you know just people yeah I think people not understanding you as well can really lead you to can really lead you to sometimes refine what you're trying to say which is what's necessary anyway 
but it's like now it's not even necessarily saying you're wrong. It's getting personal about you. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's gotten wild out there. I mean, you if you're making a, a joke on social media, I mean, that's what you do. That's how you create, not just social media. Right. But it's not just, it's one thing if people just go, hey, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think that's funny. But you also, people, you're an asshole. Damn. <laughs> Damn. I didn't know that. Yeah, I just, I mean, I knew, I would, look, I'll accept that I'm not funny today, but I will not accept that I'm an asshole. Yeah, that judgment, it's so easy to be right there on the, uh, to judge something that's not in front of you. You know, we had a buddy recently in the comedy community that like made some remarks after Kobe Bryant died and it really had a sharp backlash and everybody was, you know, people that didn't even know him suddenly were furious. And it was really all the people that kind of knew him, I think maybe were like, oh, we understand it's, this is the way he operates sometimes. This was not a, he didn't do a good job here as far as everybody was concerned. Maybe a couple of Voldemorts out there that he really impressed, you know. But on a large scale, a lot of people heard about him for the first time and were, and this was a bad way for it to happen. You know, as far as him feeling okay and stuff, I mean, I'm sure it hurt his feelings. But yeah, it's like people aren't really understanding these days. On so- Social media is not a real place to be understanding. It's not very human. And we always assume intent. And this, is, this isn't even a social media thing. I mean, if you're driving and somebody cuts you off, you're not thinking, oh, maybe they're, they're driving their pregnant wife to the hospital and then they're desperate to get there. You're thinking, that guy's an asshole and it was intentional and he looked at me and said, screw you. Yeah. But when you cut somebody off, you're like, whoops, that was a mistake. Well, they'll know it. They'll be okay with it. They know it wasn't. Pre- crazy. <laughs> Two different worlds going on. Uh, when it comes to creativity, do you think about like, do you think that there's a higher power sometimes or something that puts ideas into us? Like a lot of times I feel like when I've been my most creative, I don't feel like it has anything to do with me. I feel like I'm just kind of like a conduit or whatever. Receptacle. For something, yeah. Like, oh, there's no way I came up with that idea, really. I mean, certainly, whatever you believe in, the, if you can just let yourself, whether it's your unconscious, whatever, Letting your brain be a little open. There's a reason why people get really good ideas in the shower or when driving because your body's occupied and you're doing something and so you're not necessarily distracted and your brain's just open and your mind's wandering and that's when, whether it's your subconscious, whether it's God, whatever it is, putting ideas, the muse, making sure you have those moments when you allow the insights to come is huge and if you're always boom, 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 you're not going to have that time. You can have anything trying to sprout ideas and they won't, they won't take root. Yeah. You got to, I mean, you got to make sure you have the fertile, the fertile soil out there. Right. Yeah. You could have the archangel of the dang universe trying to fly out of your, out of your damn septum. But if you're always on Instagram, you might miss yeah. it. I mean, Letting that moment of reflection, little, you know, everything in moderation to a degree. Guys, anything else you wanted to chime in? No, this is fascinating, though. I love the go back over your own work to kind of spark that creativity. I think that's like a really actionable thing people can take away from it. 
is what uh, going over your own work uh, to spark creativity when you're feeling like your creative juices run out. I think that's something everybody can can kind of adapt. Yeah, it almost it really blew my mind when I realized that you know, and, and not even realized, but it's just so funny. Just in the past maybe month, I've like, man, I don't want to write this gratitude list. Is specifically what it is, and gratitude such a it's a real such a real feeling and a visceral thing that I mm-hmm. I need to feel a lot of times to try and just feel okay in my day, and then I go back and I'm like, oh man. And I'll read them, and it's like, oh, uh, then I'm there. It's almost like I've already made the list. I get the feeling as if I've already made the list, and it's a real feeling. It's not. It doesn't feel like oh, a placebo yeah. either. And I mean, for life, but for creativity, a certain kindness. I mean, I mean, kindness to yourself also. When you're going back and looking at your old stuff, I mean, yeah, you're always gonna be a little critical, but be kind to your younger self. When you're thinking, I mean, it's why co-creation is such an amazing thing. I mean, one of my favorite things as a researcher is to collaborate, mm. you know? And, and I it's, hate that. Have you found the right collaborator? And of I, course, I you, got, you, got, you, got, you got these two guys right here also. <laughs> oh, no. Nick is wonderful. I mean, Nick is wonderful. And we, do, we probably do it a ton. I do it a ton without even realizing it. I, there, I have some fear about something about it makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, I just. Like what? I don't know. I don't, I don't want to. It's like I'm afraid to share. Not afraid to share. I'm afraid. I'm trying, trying to think out the rest mm-hmm. of this feeling. Um, I'm afraid to like have. Man, I can almost figure out what it is. Sometimes I really have to be able to get right on the feeling. I don't like, it's like a trust thing, I think, you know, it's like I really, do I trust this person enough with like my, do I trust somebody else enough to, to share the things that are most important to me, which are like my ideas, you know, and are they going to reject them and. Is it rejection or is it having them take the ideas and turn them into something you don't like? I think at the at the core it's rejection. I think that they're not going to like them, or that they're, and if they don't like them, then they don't like me, and so it's my own attachment to my own ideas as well. Then, and yet there's people you trust enough to share. You don't may not think of it as collaboration. So is it that you'd be worried about, let's say, collaborating with somebody who you who you believe either would have where being rejected by them would be particularly painful? Yeah, probably. It probably just goes back to other relationships in my life where it's like I just have a lot of fear about that, you know. And so, but then it's it sticks, even though sometimes in work and stuff, you know. I don't want to. I have to do it my. I'm only used to doing it my way, you know. I'm just scared to not do it my way. There's a danger there, of course, because if you just listen to those words, do I, I'm afraid to do it my to not do it my way, and you want to just do it this one way. There's a certain danger there. Well, we miss out on a lot of probably collaboration. I'm gonna miss out on working together with people. Are there people who you know, you know, appreciate and like your ideas, and they've established that who you would trust? And obviously, again, there are people, but people who you normally would have dismissed collaborating with. But yeah, probably so. 
So really, it's just this strong fear that's not really, it's not really serving me. And you're asking if fear helps or hurts creativity. I mean, I think in a lot of ways it can hurt it because we got to take risks and risks are scary. You know, I mean, shit, I'm a professor. I'm not a performer. This was a little scary, particularly given I had lost, you know, three of my front teeth. And I'm going, oh, God, I'm going to sound like Daffy Duck or whatever. That's the best part of it, though. <laughs> I can almost pop it out with my lips. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Dude, if you could shoot that and land it in a lady's wine glass at a dinner, dude, I could get you a job somewhere in New York City tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you could like one of those magicians that goes around to the tables, you know? My teeth? <laughs> yeah. Now, is that the three of hearts and my teeth in your hand? Why, yes, it is your teeth. And now they're back here. <laughs> hey, get your teeth out of my wife's cleavage, buddy. <laughs> oh, my bad. Yeah, no, I guess you're right. I mean, that fear just really prevents me from having that, that co-creation, you know. And it's interesting hearing you say that that's one of your favorite kinds, is that collaborative, because that's that makes me really think I'm missing out on some cool stuff. And certainly not with everybody. It's not like, oh, it's all one big happy you know. But there is a three, four, five, six people who, and again, not usually all at once, but I find elevate my ideas. Mm. And they make me think of stuff that I haven't really thought about before. I mean, one of my main collaborators is a guy named Vlad. Everybody should have a good friend named Vlad. He, mm -hmm. He's awesome, he's brilliant. And he does cultural stuff, all about how we interact with each other and sociocultural. A lot of the stuff I do is more individual. So, okay, well, what is, you know, Doug is creative and, and Bill is less creative and Sally is the most creative. How are they different or the same? Whereas Vlad's more interested in how can they all be creative together? And when I was first like, oh, man, I, I don't know about that stuff. And he's one of my favorite collaborators now because mm. he gets me to just think in new ways. And it was hard at first, you know, and you have to kind of give up a little bit of some of your assumptions and it involves trust. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I can imagine. It almost sounds cool because then you're like, wow, if this person could get me to think different in ways, if, A, if I already feel like I'm a creative person, if it's something that I pride kind of in myself, there's not a lot of things, but that's a thing, then if they could get me to be creative in different ways that I don't even know, yeah. I mean, it is pretty tempting. Yeah, I have a friend named Aaron and he's like my most creative, he's like, He's kind of business-minded a lot of times, but even in that space, he helped, he gets me to think so many different ways a lot of times. Um, yeah, I think just being a little more open to it. And it's not like it means now you gotta only co-create. I mean, you still, you, there are some things that will always feel like, okay, these, these are my personal ideas I wanna marinate and do it my own way. There's other stuff, and maybe it's the stuff that you couldn't figure out quite how to make be amazing. Like, okay, I like this idea, but I don't know what to do with it, and so, and put over here isn't it funny how ideas you've had i mean there's little ideas that i had 15 18 years ago and suddenly they'll come into play when i meet someone or something or or i'll see a new medium and i'll be like oh that's why this thing has been spinning in my head for so long it's just waiting for this place to land that didn't even exist yet it's kind of amazing isn't it that to me is fascinating man it's like almost the way the galaxy is like you have these things spinning around and we don't know really what the moons are i mean we have an idea but, but suddenly all of a sudden you know somebody comes through on a battleship and they're a moon collector and then we're like oh now i know why these things are out there this guy's here to pick them up you know you just don't know it's like yeah it's pretty fascinating it's funny how like there was a point when i i 
Like if I if I think like virtual reality, something I'm i still to me relatively I know it's been around for a while. The possibilities for being creative in virtual reality are amazing. And like we're only starting to really move with that. Really? I feel like it's the worst thing for it. Why? Because it's not me being creative, I feel like. I feel like I used to have the video game inside of me, and now I'm like just looking inside of the game and looking inside of somebody else's imagination or like a company's imagination. Some of them are like that. But I mean the ones, and there's more and more stuff developing out there, but the ones that are showing you things you wouldn't have seen, but then not prescribing, not saying, like, because I agree, there's some games where it's, okay, I got to press the left button, got to do that. That, I mean, it's going to be fun, but I'm the stuff when you're truly exploring and when there's enough open stuff out there that you're connecting things or just, you know, you can play impossible instruments. Mm. You can make art that wouldn't be possible in the real world. You can co-create with people and all around the world. I mean, it's... Yeah. They have a cool app where you can sing with Asian people and whenever you want and they sing and you sing the same song but it's in different languages and then they that mix them cool. together. I mean... I love cool. stuff. I mean, that is pretty cool, dude. I'll give you that. That is pretty cool, man. Yeah, man. I mean, that's one thing about creativity. It's like we stop this conversation, it keeps on going. And two weeks from now, you're having thoughts. You know, like it's also one reason why I like the collaboration so much because my internal dialogue, it's pretty good, you know. <laughs> yeah. But the dialogue with other people that, and then you think. And then you think, okay, what would they have said about that? And well, okay, I decided not to take this risk because I'm worried about that, and I, and I get that, but how would it look if I did? What's the worst that could happen if I did? And you start branching out and thinking, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's what, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's that connection. There's so much creativity in that, not having to be creative alone, you know? I, um,. I have one more question for you. I know, yeah. like, you know, a lot of our listeners struggle with pornography addiction and stuff like that. Do you find that uh, there's been a lot of studies and stuff done on how, like, pornography, like, really damages, like, the creativity of one's, like, sexual libido, I feel like? Because I used to have to create these worlds in my head, you know, which would then resonate in my body, I would feel like. I mean, I think so much of it comes down to your ability to control and that if any addiction to a degree out of control is going to limit you whatever that is i mean if you're addicted to food and you blow up you know um if you're watching so much pornography that when you think of sex your mind instantly goes okay this is what happens mm -hmm. then yeah you're gonna probably be less creative in sex if you're looking at it as an inspiration, or hey, what if I try that with my partner or whatever? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily. So that perception then is really... And what you're able to... A certain amount of self-control, in, in terms of, and I don't mean in a sexual way, I mean in a creative way. Yeah. In that seeing all these things, but wanting to, okay, I want to put my own spin on this. I want to, and also not having that it's what's the destination and what's the journey 
You know, if it's, okay, I am watching pornography and mission accomplished and that's all I need to do, then yeah, your own sex life with your partner is, is not going to flourish. Right. If it's inspiration, if it's okay, this is part of the journey and I'm going to... I'm going to take a few things here, maybe bring it, introduce them over here, see how it goes maybe, see if they're open to it. I mean... That's a good point. One of the tried and true ways of being creative is you take different genres or things and you combine them. Mix them up. You know, take this from that, this from that. What Get happened? a mashup, yeah. You know what I mean? Apple sauce, yeah. Mm-hmm. Apple pie. Western in space. Oh, yeah. Different show. You know? Um, yeah, like Star Wars or something. That or, was a bad one. But I used to think, of, yeah, a, a good space Western. Did they ever have one? Star Trek. Was it a space Western? It really was kind of, huh? They went from, I mean, you take that and you put that in the old Frontiers days in a covered wagon, it's the same story. Yeah. And instead of aliens, just people from Fresno or whatever. Yeah. And a lot of the ba- a lot of the places they went even looked like Fresno a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it was just a Western. They put it in space. <laughs> um, I think that's all we got. That's great. Dr. James Kaufman, you have a, you're teaching now at UConn. Yes, I'm a professor at University of Connecticut and um, doing a whole bunch of research on creativity. And I mean, You have so many books and stuff, and we'll put a lot of that in the intro whenever we bring you up. Um, you got my website and working on a number of different lay, layperson books. And I don't know, after a while doing research, you more and more having, again, it's the heart attack. Like, I want to do stuff in the real world i want to actually help people be creative instead of just you know well it's interesting because yeah it's like a lot of people don't go to a school book place you don't go to a campus bookstore to get books you know a lot of times yes. so you go to another you know you'll go to other outlets and stuff to get books and so yeah um yeah creativity is my favorite thing man so i appreciate you coming here and talking to me about it today and and I've often felt that people who are really successful in different areas are a lot know more, know a lot more about creativity than they think they do. Hmm. Comedy is one of the top ones. Hmm. I, I was I, I actually quite excited about this because just to hear your thoughts, kind of pick your brain a little bit. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I I just always thought like I was just very aware, like too much sometimes, and so I was always creating like different scenarios of what could go on because I was aware of like what was happening so much like okay this person's over there this is going on you know the sun is setting this is happening right now what are we going to do what's going to happen you know mom's come mom's feeling like this every you know it just was always so many things to like balance that the awareness was always heightened I felt like when I was young and so that made me suddenly when I was sitting there writing with a piece of paper and thinking about things there was all these things were there was an awareness for them in the page. There was an awareness for everything could be a character, you know, like the son had a, had a, you know, it had aspirations and, you know, and, and the mailman, you know, maybe played jazz, you know, there was just different things going on when, whenever life happened. Uh, you observe, but sometimes it became exhausting though. Just the other side of it, where you're just overwhelmed by constantly worried about what people are thinking and feeling and not knowing that you're okay, so it puts you in like an unsafe space, you know? So the creativity you build in, it's very negative almost because your brain creates a lot of like uh, scary situations. It's the danger of, I mean, 
Some of it can be perfectionism. Some of it can be, I mean, imagination can be used for less positive things if you're worrying about what could be. And then if, you have a, if you're very creative, you can imagine all this stuff. I mean, how many times have people said, well, what's the worst that could happen? Well, if, if, you're, if you can imagine all that stuff, it's harder. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it's, yeah. Yeah, or if you're a lot, somebody who's thinking a lot. And yeah. so much of that is, is being able to channel it, being able to, okay, well, I know I have all these ideas ping pong in my brain. The more that you can express channel in these more proactive ways, you know, the more you can let the other parts of your brain kind of just calm, calm. Yeah. It really is like petting a cat, like stay there, buck yeah. off, stay there. Yeah. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about, James? Oh, man. So much, but not, but hopefully another time in the future. I would love to have you back another time, huh? It's super. I mean, there's so much stuff that, I mean. I'd love to listen back and even come up with new things to think of. Um, yeah, because there's so much. Just, just creativity have to be good or bad? Can it be bad? You know, all sorts of stuff that. Well, yeah, I mean, some people have created some of the worst shit ever. The blimp, remember that machine? Oh, yeah. Remember Hitler? And, but that, and that's a question, was he creative? Right. It's so funny, because I thought about that earlier today a little bit. I was thinking about, well, what, what could be creativity? And I mean... Yeah, that's a risk of creativity. Isn't there famous, like, Pandora's box, isn't that a thing of... Mm -hmm. It's basically just a thing of arts and crafts. Somebody just cracked open a little box of Michael's craft store i feel like is it that it, something good or bad could come out of there and it's creativity is not creativity is not good or bad inherently it's like is, is being smart good or bad i mean it's good for you but if everybody was smarter would the world be a better place no if everybody was, nobody would be driving a corvette either <laughs> i'll tell you that if everybody was more creative would the world be a better place yeah i bet Maybe, but then it might become that some, everybody's trying to outcreate, like outcreative each other at such a level where it's just getting ridiculous. As well as you know, you'd have all the serial killers be that much more creative. You'd have all the people being that more creative on how to screw you over in business deals. Oh, that'd be the worst. We can't handle it anymore out here. I mean, the studio executives would be that much more creative, and well, you can just sign the rights for this. I mean. You have to think of it all those layers. Well, if everybody just becomes more creative, I mean, that means the bad people do too. And, and it's, is that good? Is it bad? I mean, some of it's how we choose to use our creativity in a, you know, in this practical way. I mean, like what we almost started with, of you wanting to use your creativity to make people happy, make them feel better. Yeah. I mean, that's a wonderful, positive thing. There's other people out there who aren't going to be thinking that. Yeah, that's the dark arts. That's what we go and fight yeah. all the time. It's, uh, yeah, sometimes it's like, and then when things become more of a business too, it gets less. Yeah. It's still the same, but it just gets, I don't know, it gets a little different, you know? But that's okay. It just, I think some of it sometimes is a level of correction and stuff like that. But um, yeah, when money gets involved in creativity, yeah. then what happens? It impacts why you're being creative sometimes, and that's the scary part. Yeah. I mean, because so many of us are creative because we love it. And there's other reasons, 
But yeah, once money starts playing, you know, and again, not that money's bad. Money's no, great. Money's great. I mean, I'm in favor of money. They keep you warm in the winter and cool in the summer. That's what they say. But, but yeah. Can't be your only audience. But that struggle, there's some value. There's some, but you just have so many more paints in your, in your Sherwin-Williams when you got that struggle going. You know, when you have some, when you can find that motivation. But like you're saying, like that balance, you know. Yeah. Well, we're going to work on keeping oh. the balance. And Dr. Kaufman, we'd love to have you back. I would love to come back. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming. You bet. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Now I'm just floating on the breeze And I feel I'm falling like these leaves I must be cornerstone Oh, but when I reach that ground I'll share this peace of mind I found I can feel it in my bones But it's gonna take a little time For me to set that parking brake and let myself all wild shine that light on me. I'll sit and tell you my stories. Shine on me. And I will find a song. I will sing it just for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jonathan Kite, and welcome to Kite Club, a podcast where I'll be sharing thoughts on things like current events, stand-up stories, and seven ways to pleasure your partner. The answer may shock you. Sometimes I'll interview my friends. Sometimes I won't. And as always, I'll be joined by the voices in my head. You have three new voice messages. A lot of people are talking about Kite Club. I've been talking about Kite Club for so long, longer than anybody else. So great. Hi, sweetheart. Here's a deal. Anyone who doesn't listen to Kite Club is a dodgy bloody wanker. Charmaine. Oh, hi, I'll take a quarter pounder with cheese and a McFlurry. Sorry, sir, but our ice cream machine is broken. <laughs> I think Tom Hanks just butt-dialed me. Anyway, first rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Second rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Third rule, like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or watch us on YouTube, yeah? And yes, don't worry, my Brad Pitt impression will get better.